Welcome to the Grace Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to become a community of grace and peace for the good of our city and the fame of Jesus. Every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m., we gather together at the Malco Theater in Collierville, Tennessee, to be encouraged and strengthened in our faith by worshiping God through music, scripture, and a message for our lives. So if you're looking for a church home where you can feel loved and accepted as part of God's family, then come and join us at Grace Hill Church. You can visit our website at gracehill901.com for more information about our services and what we have planned for the upcoming weeks. We look forward to connecting with you. Now here's this week's message. Uh, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you've uh, read, heard, watched something, been in conversation with someone, and you learned something in that moment that caused you in an instant to think differently about a particular issue, problem, uh, or subject? I mean, you were once like heels dug in, mind made up, I am set in this way, I've got this figured out, and this new information came to you, this idea came to you, and all of a sudden, bam. Mind shifted, you're immediately thinking different. Um, I have one of those moments in my life, and it's related to uh, salads, believe it or not. Uh, I grew up in a house that uh, put Thousand Island dressing on everything. I, I'm 42. I still have no idea what's in Thousand Island dressing. Uh, it sounds weird to me. And I was young, probably, and they were like, here, try salad with Thousand Island dressing on it. And I was like, gross. That's disgusting. And then uh, I met my wife, Kelly. Uh, we got married. And then at some point, she ordered a salad at some point early in our relationship. And she put this thing on her salad called ranch. I didn't know what ranch dressing was. And I said, what is that? And she said, it's a salad with ranch dressing on it. And I was like, I need to try a bite of that. And I, I tried it and it changed my life forever. Once I had been anti-salad because I thought the only kind of salad dressing on it was Thousand Island. And, and now I was a believer in salads because of uh, ranch. And don't even talk to me uh, about what happened when I discovered honey mustard. Oh my goodness. That moment caused me to think differently. It was a moment where I was, I was kind of mind made up. I had my conclusions set and something happened. And in an instant, it, there was a moment that caused my mind to shift, to begin to think differently about this particular thing related to salad dressing. And my prayer for us as we start this series today, as we take this journey over the next several weeks uh, as, as in this series called Think Differently, um, my prayer for us is that as we look through this letter that Paul wrote... Man, I have so many devices I carry up here. Apparently, I've got to put this on airplane mode as well. Do not disturb. Wow. In seven years of teaching, I can say that has never happened on a Sunday morning. Um, let me back up. My prayer for us over these next few weeks uh, as we look at this letter is that um, our minds will shift and we'll begin to think differently. Uh, we'll begin to think differently about, uh, as we're going to look at today, uh, uh, as it relates to us and Christ, uh, that we will begin to think differently about what uh, really divides us, but really ultimately what unites us. We would begin to think differently about our purpose in life. And we would be formed in that as we journey and go through this series, that as we learn insights and revelations from this uh, letter we call Philippians, 
that what Paul is going to bring to the surface and what I'm going to do my best and our teaching team is going to do our best in, so bring that to the surface of what he's writing and what hopefully causes us to think differently. But, but that's hard. It's hard in our society because we're constantly bombarded with messages that contradict um, who the, what the gospel is and how we're formed in relationship to the gospel. And there's a lot of messages that contradict uh, living the way of Jesus. And we can become so hardwired into this thinking that is counter to the way of Jesus. Sometimes it's just flat out wrong, but sometimes it's like it's been diluted a little bit, you know? It's like it's kind of like living the way of Jesus, but, but not really. It's diluted. Uh, one way I want to illustrate that is I think the most perfect cup of coffee in the world is an Americano. Uh, how many, do we have any Americano drinkers in the house? I see one hand, two hands. I've got some work to do. I've got some work to do. Okay, let me talk to you about what an Americano is. Depending upon the size that you get, it's a couple of shots of espresso and hot water. Just as God intended coffee to, uh, to be uh, uh, consumed. But here's what can happen. And this happens to me sometimes when I go to the coffee shop. I'll, I'll order my Americano. I'll go into Square Beans. And, and I know the barista's there. And they, I walk in. They're like, hey, he wants an Americano and a glass mug. Cool. No problem. And I'll be sitting there and I'll be watching them make this and, and, and they'll start out perfect. It's Americano, it's espresso. Just pulling out of that espresso machine into the two little cups, it's beautiful. But then instead of grabbing my glass mug that I love my, my uh, Americano in, they, they grab one of these other paper mugs and they dump those shots of espresso in it. And then to my horror, Somebody has ordered something that makes them turn their back to the counter, go back to the back, and they start putting pumps of sugary mess in there. Things like white chocolate mocha and caramel and pumpkin spice. And they begin to dilute something down that was once so perfect. And my hope is for us over these next few weeks is that we're going to begin to think differently that the way of Jesus calls us into living and thinking differently, but it, that can become diluted by the voices and the pressures and society that we constantly are bombarded with. So my prayer is that we will uh, use this time together to begin to, uh, much like that uh, Americano, kind of return back to and begin to think a little differently. Today, specifically, what I want to uh, kind of hone in on as we begin this teaching series in the book of Philippians is this, is that we need to think differently about our identity. We need to think differently about our identity. If you're taking notes in the handout, that you can just write that down right there at the top of that uh, blank space there. We need to think differently about our identity. What you need to know, uh, just to kind of set a back, a little bit of a back picture for the book of Philippians, so we really understand it, so we understand the context that Paul's writing from. Paul is writing the book of Philippians from a prison cell. The church at Philippi, who he's writing this letter to, was planted some 11 years prior to this letter being written and delivered. Uh, the context for the church at Philippi happens back in Acts chapter 16. I just want to read this. It's going to be on the screen uh, there, uh, just so we kind of get this in our mind. From Troas, this is Paul, uh, this Luke writing Acts, but this is Paul, one of Paul's missionary journeys. From Troas, we put out and uh, to sea and sailed straight for uh, Samothrace. Sam you guys know I can't never pronounce these names. The next day to uh, Neapolis, 
and from there to Philippi, a Roman colony and a leading city of the district of Macedonia. We stayed in that city for several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside to the city gate by the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women gathered there, a God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. After she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay in my house. And she persuaded us. That is the beginning of the church at Philippi. And Lydia was the first convert who helped Paul start this church. And so much like Paul has in this opening segment of Philippians 1, uh, he has a few prayers. I have a few for us. One is that um, we would begin to think differently. But then also like Lydia, that our heart would be open that our heart would be open to considering some ways that maybe we've got out of alignment with the way of Jesus, uh, some ways that maybe we have uh, been kind of diluted a little bit in our thinking, and that we would, uh, our hearts would be open. We would have a posture of openness as we go through this teaching series. Um, and, and then uh, the series title, actually, of this sermon series comes from Philippians 3.15. He writes this, Paul says this, Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. So I'm praying that for you this this sermon series as well. That in ways and areas that you need to think differently, that I don't convince you, anybody that's teaching on a Sunday morning doesn't convince you, but that it is God who helps you to begin to process what he has for you over these next few weeks and to think differently. So we stand for the reading of God's word here at Grace Hill. So I want to invite you, if you've got a copy uh, of scripture, if you want to go with me to Philippians chapter one, uh, starting in verse one, and we're only going to look at two verses today, but I want to read the first 11 verses just so we kind of understand Paul's heart and love that he has for this church. It says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about you because I have all of you in my heart. And you, are, uh, and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ." filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You can be seated. So right out of the gate here in Philippians chapter 1, uh, there is a huge problem that Paul is beginning to address that I think it's, it's maybe the reason why Paul is writing this whole letter. Uh, 11 years has gone by since the church was planted. Kind of the honeymoon has worn off. A culture maybe began to kind of seep in a little bit more to the church. And, and right out of the gate, Paul begins to address something that it's worth our time so we can understand because Paul's going to come back to it. It's almost a 
theme through the entire letter of Philippians. It's, it's worth our time to just understand contextually a little bit of what's happening in uh, the culture here. Paul writes, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. And many uh, uh, translations will actually translate the word servant. You may have it in your translation as slave. And this was a huge contextual problem to this uh, group of believers and in this society uh, because of the honor and the status class system that existed at the time. Uh, We need to get a good grasp on this cultural problem because, like I said, Paul's going to come back. He's going to take us through this journey where I feel like all through the book of Philippians, he's kind of trying to uh, shift people's minds, get them to think differently about our identity in Christ and how that uh, um, affects the way that we live our life. Uh, N.T. Wright, he writes this about uh, this text. He says, Rome was arguably arguably the most status-conscious culture in the ancient Mediterranean world, a people obsessed with maintaining social distinctions and hierarchy. Literary and archaeological data converge, moreover, to demonstrate, and don't miss this, that Philippi was the most characteristically Roman settlement in the East when Paul arrived in Macedonia during his second missionary journey. Another commentator has this to say about the culture here in Rome. Two basic realities marked Rome's social values, a profound degree of social stratification and intense competition among families for public honor within each social class. Social stratification, the Roman social hierarchy distinguished most basically between elites who represented perhaps 1% to 2% of the, Romans pop- of the empire's population and non-elites. Further stratification among elites and non-elites generated the following pecking order during the New Testament era. And this is fascinating. Look at this here. This is, this is how uh, the uh, social status was ranked at the time that Paul is writing this letter, when he begins his, his word to the church at, at Philippi, he says this, we are servants. And I want you to look at this, starting from left to right, the senators, the nobles, and the new men, they were the highest ranking order socially. And all the way down through the entire social stratus a, a structure of this community. And what does Paul do? He goes all the way to the bottom. Translation we're reading from today says servant. Most translations say slave. We're a slave to Christ Jesus. Honor, not wealth, was the most valuable commodity in the eyes of the ancient Romans. And when it comes to our identity, Paul is trying to get this church, and I believe us, to think differently about the value in the kingdom of God, to, get, to think differently about how we are viewed and what is important as it relates to our identity. You know, our identity here uh, in 2023 can be wrapped up in so many other things. Students, your academic accomplishments can define you if, if you're not careful. It could be your athletic or your extracurricular achievements that you have as students. They can be what you're known by. Adults, I mean, our careers, the company we work for, our family of origin, the the family that we're striving and we're working to create if we're not careful. All of those things can begin to define our identity of who we are. Over the last several years, the issue of tribalism and division, it's why we sort of subtitled this, finding unity 
uh, in a divided world. The issue of tribalism has pulled people apart. It's divided. It's broken unity. And many people can find their identity in their, this, this, this tribal kind of idea of this is my tribe. I'm rolling with them. Whatever they say goes. Many of us can even take our identity, if we're not careful, from our biggest failure or regret. You may say to yourself, well, this is just who I am. And if you're a follower of Jesus, your identity is this, is that you are a servant and a saint. Notice this is Paul's identification as he begins this letter. In other letters, he's defending his apostleship. And so in other letters, you may see him start out with an apostle of Christ Jesus. But here, because of the unique dynamics of this colony, he begins it with the fact that he is a servant. He doesn't need to defend his apostleship with this community. They know him, they love him, they, they value him, they revere him. He doesn't need that. What he's trying to do is deal with some of the cultural idols that exist in the, in the city of Philippi. And he begins it by saying, I'm a servant. I'm a slave of Christ Jesus. And this is who you are. You are a servant of Christ Jesus. And there's always going to be this tension that can exist, right? In the minds of a follower of Jesus. Uh, some of us, we may feel like this tension of like, oh, I'm too good to be a servant, I mean, I've got money in the bank. I've got a, I've got a, a second home. I've got nice cars. I've, I'm, I'm, I've got a good title. I've, I've been very successful in my job, in my career, in my business, whatever. You may think, I'm too good for that. But many of us also, we don't feel like we live up to the idea of being a saint. But following Jesus holds these two intention that we are servants and saints. We are empowered servants and humble saints. And so I want to I want to break this out a little bit because this is so important to Paul and it's so important as he begins this letter that to this church that he loves. I want to break this out a little bit more for us. And the idea of being a servant is really the the idea that I think Paul's getting at here is it's just very others centered. And and this was very like it is today. It's very countercultural and a highly valued honor culture uh, that, that Paul is writing into. Uh, one ancient scholar says this, he calls himself a slave and not an apostle. This is a great honor to be a slave of Christ, not merely to be called a slave, but to be one. One who is a slave of Christ is truly free from sin. If he is truly a slave of Christ, he is not a slave in any other realm. Since then, he would not be a slave of Christ, but only half so. And you say, well, how are we, how are we, how, how does, who do we take our cues from? If we're supposed to be servants, slaves to Jesus, well, where, where do we get our cues from from that? Well, we get it from Jesus himself. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 43, says this, but it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We take our cues from Jesus. And so if we pick up this identity, we begin to think differently about uh, the reality that, that our identity is a servant 
that we are for the, for the uh, as we talk about in our vision statement, a community of grace and peace. Well, a community of grace and peace is going to have an element of, 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 of the people that are trying to create that community have a, have a servant heart, a servant posture. And then certainly as we look at for the good of our city, we will be serving our city, others-centered as we focus on being for the good of our city. And so we serve Jesus. We serve him in, the, in, the, in, the, in the, our own personal mission and vision that he's given us. We certainly, we serve our families, a, a, a posture of hus, uh, hospitality and servanthood towards our families. We serve our church community. Uh, we serve our church family. I love, we've got uh, several families in our church right now that are having uh, babies. And I love that people are coming together and providing meals for them. And we've thrown baby showers, all the things. I, I just love that posture where we're serving one another. And then broadly, we serve the world around us. We look for ways where we can uh, be in some ways inconvenienced. And we say, hey, I can serve here. I want to serve the world around us. And maybe most of us would, would kind of say, hey, like, I get that. Like, like yeah, we, we, need to, we need to serve others. We need to be other-centered. Yeah, I get Mark 10. That totally makes sense. Jesus came to serve, not be served. I'm with you. But this idea of a saint, man, I'm a long way away from that. Help me process that. Well, Paul, again, addresses, now it's interesting, he's addressing himself in this letter as a servant. But what does he say to the people? He says to the church community there, he says, to the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons. And what's amazing about this is, is that even when you think about the Roman sort of social hierarchy, there was a limited number of people that would rise to this uh, idea of being set apart, which saints also translate out as holy, which simply means to be set apart. In this Roman social hierarchy, there was a limited number of people that would ever rise to the place of being set apart, of being special. But here, Paul says, to all the saints. He doesn't distinguish. There's no hierarchy in this church. He says, all of you are saints. One commentator has this in the, says this, in the New Testament, this term continues to be used of God's chosen people, the believers from both Jews and Gentiles. Their holiness is thus given to them, uh, given to individuals by virtue, don't miss this, of belonging to Christ and his people. At the same time, such membership includes the moral aspect of Christ-like purity and integrity, which is both granted and aspired to. A few verses that just kind of help us uh, sort of think about this uh, through the New Testament. Many of these are Paul's writing. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1 uh, verse 30 says this, It is from him that you were in Christ who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. 2 Corinthians 7 1 says this, so, there, so then, dear friends, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. 1 Thessalonians 4 7 says this, for God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness, to be holy, to be set apart. Peter picks up on this idea. 1 Peter 1 uh, says this, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who has called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. And then in chapter 2, he says this very well-known text. He says, But you are a chosen race, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may, may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We are both servants and saints. Servants for Christ Jesus because of Christ Jesus. And we are saints because of the work that he has done. Because he has set every one of us, no matter what our status is, no matter what our bank account says, no matter what our job title is, no matter our biggest regrets, what we feel like our biggest failures are, no matter students what our academic or athletic or extracurricular achievements are, if you have found yourself in Christ Jesus, given yourself to him, you are both a servant and a saint. So I want to challenge us just as we get ready to close here uh, over the next couple of minutes. I, I want to challenge us in a couple of these ways. I want us to think differently about our identity, that we are both servants and we are saints. And so our response to that is, is three things I want to give us this morning. The first one is this, is that we need to live in and live into this identity, you know, think about it this way. If you were to identify, uh, let, let's take us out of America, but we were to go drop into another country or another nation, and, and we were a, a citizen. Paul's going to deal with the idea of citizenship. He says later in Philippians that we're citizens of heaven. If, if we were to drop into another country, it was our, it was our country. We found ourselves in that country, and yet we did this to the culture. We did this to the way of life. We, we didn't want to live in the identity that, found our, that we found ourselves in that country. We really wouldn't be identifying with it. As a follower of Jesus, because we are both a servant and a saint, we should live in and live into this identity, meaning this. You are, if you are a follower of Jesus, a servant and a saint in this movie theater right now. That is who you are. That is your identity, a servant and a saint. But here's the beauty about following Jesus is there's always ways to begin to grow. There's always, way, there's always uh, uh, opportunities for the Lord to pull us along into more uh, holiness, to being more like a saint. There's always ways to find ourselves, to give ourselves for the betterment of others. So we live in it. This is who we are. This is who I am. I am a servant. I am a saint. We live in that, but then we live into it. Because Christ Jesus is calling us on into that. So I want to put this into practice. This will be the second way that I want us to respond is this. Is I want you to look this week for a way to serve someone that is both inconvenient and sacrificial. Inconvenient and sacrificial. Many of us, I find myself doing this as well, we serve out of convenience. Well, I can put that on my calendar. I've got an open block there. I can, I can make that work. It's not, you know, it doesn't require too much of me. I'll, I'll take care of that. But I think a posture that, that what Paul would want us to take on, and it's certainly Jesus, is that when we serve others, when we serve our family, when we serve our, our church community, when we serve Jesus, is there's embedded into that a sense of, well, this, this needs to be a little costly. 
So I want you this week to look for ways to embody this identity. I want you to look for ways uh, that are both inconvenient and sacrificial. We've got some ways here at Grace Hill that you could step into that almost immediately. We've got a group of people. They're amazing folks. They show up at 7 a.m. every Sunday morning and begin loading in. They do an amazing job. But we want to continue to make that team. I can promise you this. There's not one of those people that show up on Sunday morning at 7 a.m. that goes, oh, this is totally convenient. This is great. It's 28 degrees outside this morning. I love it. You know, in the summer, it's 95 with 110% humidity at, you know, 8 a.m. This is wonderful. But they have a posture of, of they, they want to be a servant. They want to serve you. They want to serve their church family. That's, a, that's an easy way for you to step into a posture of being a servant, this identity of being a servant that's both inconvenient and sacrificial. What ways could you show up at your place of work? Students, what, what way, how could you show up tomorrow at school and, em, and embrace this posture of being a servant that is both inconvenient and sacrificial? Not convenient and doesn't mean you sacrifice anything, but is inconvenient and sacrificial. Students, maybe there's a, maybe there's a kid that just, you know, my Lila, she, she carries two book bags to school almost every day because she's a cheerleader. And they have practice right after school. And I see her uh, kind of struggling to get out of the car in car line sometimes because she's got this big old heavy book bag on the front of her that's got all of her cheer stuff in it. She's got her school book bag on her back and she's usually got a couple of water bottles she's trying to get in. And I see the the band kids getting out and they've got instruments and lunch boxes and and book bags and all that. You know, students, maybe, maybe you just see a kid every day and he or she's just struggling to just, to just get to class on time. And you could posture yourself in a, in a way that is both inconvenient and sacrificial to just say, hey, could, could I help you carry your trombone? Hey, could, could I help you carry your water bottles? We have the same homeroom. You, you, you come in every day after me. Could, could I just help you carry your, your water bottles and make it a little easier on you? Adults, tomorrow, when you, when you wake up and you begin to set about your day, Maybe the thing that you need to do is to slow down enough to set your calendar aside so that you can be in tune to what the Holy Spirit's doing around you in ways that you can serve. Serve your employees. Serve your boss. Serve your peers. Husbands and and wives, serving one another. Moms and dads, serving your kids. That's both inconvenient and sacrificial. And the third way that I want us to respond this week as we think about thinking differently about our identity, that we are both uh, servants and we are saints. The third way that I want you to, 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 to process this today is this, is I want you to remind yourself this week, I'm a saint in Christ Jesus. I'm a saint in Christ Jesus. That in those moments of temptation, those moments where the pull of, of, of another identity kind of pulls you in that way. Those moments of maybe where it's kind of this mask of like, hey, I got to put this mask on to, to kind of operate in this space and in this world. Maybe it's moments of failure where you just think there's no way I can be a saint. Remind yourself, I'm a saint in Christ Jesus. That is who I am. That is my identity in him. I am both a servant 
and a saint. N.T. Wright says this as we close. He says, from the beginning, the gospel is good news. Not least because it dares to tell us things we didn't expect. You might have not come in today expecting to hear the fact that in Christ Jesus, you can both be a servant and a saint. The gospel tells us things we didn't expect, weren't inclined to believe, and maybe you as well. You think, man, you don't know my past. You don't, you don't know my, my, my failures in my life. You don't know the stuff I'm going through right now. You don't understand it. There's no way that I could be a saint. It dares to tell us things we didn't expect, weren't inclined to believe, and couldn't understand. And even this week, just as wrestling through this text in my own life, I just think to myself, Jesus, is, is this really like I, me? I mean, I get the, the servant part. Like that, that's okay. I get that. But a saint with, with, with the thoughts that run through my mind, with the failure I feel like I process in my own life so many times, with, with the times I'm, I'm, I'm sharp with my kids and I didn't mean to be, it's just this thing sometimes that comes out and I'm just, I just respond in a way that I, I shouldn't. I, you mean to tell me that even if I don't feel like I'm living up to it, I live in it? That I am a saint? And the gospel says, yes, you are. But it is not because of your good works. And it is not because of your good deeds. It is not because you have earned it. It is not because you deserve it. It is not uh, in credit that, that Jesus knows, well, one day they're going to grow into this. And so we're just going to give them this identity now. No, you are both a servant and a saint because of Christ Jesus and what he has accomplished on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection. There's an old song that we used to sing called The Beautiful Exchange, and, 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 and that's what this is. Because of what Jesus has done, he has exchanged that for us. He's given us a new identity. We're, now we are a loved child of God who is both a servant and a saint in his kingdom. That is our identity in him. So this morning, I, I want to do a couple of things. One, we take the Lord's Supper every week, so we're going to respond uh, in that in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to give you a chance this morning to respond to the gospel. So I just want us just in a moment of just kind of clearing space out in our minds. Maybe you just want to close your eyes. Maybe you want to bow your head. I'm not for sure, but I just want to take a moment today And I just, I just want us to, to respond to the good news of Jesus. Maybe you need to uh, respond by coming back to Jesus, by saying, Jesus, I, I've traded this identity. I, 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 don't, I don't think of myself as a servant and a saint. I think of myself maybe too good to be a servant, not good enough to be a saint, but I want to pick up your identity that you have given me as both a servant and a saint. And you may be here today and you may say, I, I, this is all new to me. I, 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 don't, 
I'm curious about following Jesus, but, but getting a new identity? And I would love for you just today to simply just say yes to the Lord. Maybe you feel like you've tried everything. Maybe you feel like you've taken up these masks, these fake identities all through your life. And you would just say today, Lord, I want to be loved by you, to be known by you. Jesus, I want to follow you. So today I would just ask that you would say yes to Jesus. It's that simple. Yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, every time he extended an invitation, the response was they didn't have to understand all of Jesus' mission. They didn't have to understand all the finer points of theology. As he was walking along that shoreline and he called Peter, James, and John, he just said, follow me. And they said, yes. So this morning, I just want you to say yes to Jesus. And with that, now, if you, as you say yes, even though we may not understand it now, your identity is both a servant and a saint in him. You have traded your old identity for the new identity that is only found in Jesus and the one that he gives. And that is we are servants and we are saints. Jesus, we thank you for the posture that you had towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That you went to the cross willingly. That you embodied, yes, you were so set apart. You were so different. You were so holy. You were perfect. You were sinless. But you were also a servant. And that you served us by going to the cross. You served humanity by going to the cross. You served your Father's wishes by going to the cross and offering yourself. Father, I pray today that we would pick up that new identity, that we would live in it and we would live into it. We would live from it today as a servant and as a saint. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.